Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. time I'm at like an event where it's a mixed lineup of musicians, whether that's the Viva the Rock Awards or the I Need a Dodge Joe Strummer night that was oh, a while well. back, you always seem to be holding it down at the back. And I'm interested to know how many people at this stage you've played with. Oh, right. Oh. And, and some of your favorites, because obviously I know you're a big fan of music as well as being oh, very yeah, much yeah. in it. Yeah, very much. What have been some of the highlights for you? Because you're, you're the go-to gun for hire guy, it seems. Yeah, well, what it is, I do my own work. It's not, it's not that I'm particularly a brilliant drummer, but I've got a nice groove. Yeah. And what it is, I like songwriters, so I like to learn the songs properly. And I can run a band, I can do MDing, so I'll do quite a bit of that. And I'll make sure everyone does their own work, learns the stuff. But um, I suppose fate, I mean, I've been really, because when, when, when Malcolm died, um, we carried on as Rock TC for a while, but things were a bit, we, we, we broke up after, in 82, I think we broke up. And I, and I, I joined Aztec Camera, and it was a call, Jeff Trampers from uh, Rough Trade. Yeah, yeah. The one met when I sold our first single in a rut. In a rut, yeah. And he bought 500 of them. So we, we had a sort of good, he said, oh, I've got this songwriter coming down. Uh, he's only 17. I said, oh, blimey, he's a bit young. <laughs> and I was a bit older, I was in mid-20s, I guess. Which isn't a lot now, but back then. But the, yeah, you were like, like an old man compared yeah. to the teenagers, yeah. So, so uh, anyway, so I came down, we did the first album. Um, he was a great guitarist. The rest of them weren't so good. They weren't very, they were, you know, they come out of punk rock, but they weren't very good. But I'd been playing a, a bit. I've been, you know, I'm very dedicated to me playing this morning. And playing um, a lot of different styles just with Yeah, a lot of soul, you know. Well, my first bands were, um, my first gig I ever did was a, a rock steady in soul. You know, it was a great black band. I was the only white boy. Well, yeah. Thing. It was a, a blues dance, a blues for the listeners, because they might not know. It's a, it's a making term for, for a dance. It's not to do with playing the blues. Mm-hmm. It's just called a blues dance. Uh, and traditionally, you'd have them and, you know, everyone gets together. Uh, and that was my first ever gig. Uh, the, and, the, and then I played in, before the ruts took off, I was in a eight, ten-piece soul band. Wow. Uh, Black Paul. guys as well? Or a mix? Mix, mix, yeah, all yeah, mix. Uh, in fact, one of, one of the singers, JD, he's, uh, he joined the Commodores. After, really? After uh, Lionel Richie left. He said, wow. just, Jackie. <laughs> and that uh, night shift. Yeah. yeah. That's him. So, yeah, it was a mix, man. But we did our own material, a couple of covers. Uh, and we used to play around. But we were getting into punk, the, you know, the same thing, you know, because of the liberating factor of it all. 
what an exciting time for music it must have been. I mean, I feel like I missed out on a, a real golden age. Well, it was. I mean, it was a, yeah. It's a funny thing because, because it, it means, punk rock means a lot of different things to everybody, to different people. I mean, for me, it was sort of coming on, it was a real, and there were, I've got to say, and people argue who did this person. Mm-hmm. I've always liked Roots music and I've all, I've, I've, I liked the Stooges, I liked the MC5. And I used to run a record shop, which is where I met Sex. Was it? The original, yeah, a record shop in the city. James, do you place. remember the first meeting? Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. I remember, How did it go I, down? My, my, my record shop, it was a great thing, it was a good job. It opened at 10, closed at 6, so, you know, I don't know, being a work, if you've ever... Have your mornings job, and your starting evenings. Starting at 10. It's, that extra hour makes a world of difference, doesn't it? It does, it does. When you, yeah, you yeah. sleep and you missed kind of worst of Russia. Yep. But plus, it didn't open on Saturday because it was in the city, so you had weekends. Did you grow up in London? I was born in Yorkshire, uh, and I moved to London when I was seven, and I've lived all over. I lived most of the East End, but not in Hill as well, uh, and then back to the East End, all over the Essex New Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was where the shop was, was it, in the East End? Uh, no, the shop was in the city. Okay. In Cannon Street. Right, right, yeah. Where there were, he had, it was a, it was the, the, the shop was called James Asman's Record Store. He, had, he was a jazz critic. Uh, he had one in New Row, which is off St Martin's Lane. He had one in Cannon Street. And he had one in uh, Chamomile Street, which is I don't I don't even know if it existed. It was near Liverpool Street. So Got it. So anyway, so that was that was where I and sex came. And most of my customers were salaried vinyl junkies. You know, was so. it just specifically a jazz record shop, or did it? No, no. Have it was jazz when he started the jazz record. But he started like that. Yeah. But when I, when I got to manage my shop, it was classical and second hand downstairs, and I had the top stairs shop. I did some some. And but it was all the review reviewers used to come and sell their review copies. And things like yeah, that. yeah. So we did, we did, we were quite known for getting the good bargains, uh, and we did imports as well, like imports. We didn't do I didn't start to didn't do singles at all until punk rock started, and then it was because they were interesting, you know, they rather than teeny and all the artwork and everything. And yeah, yeah, the whole thing was a, a movement, you know. So when the Ramones came out, and I met Sigs. I think Sigs Sigs was a, a cool funk stay funketeer. I saw something in the Parliament involved. Amazing. Stuff like that. Love that stuff. Uh, and then the Ramones come out. I said, check this out. I said, this is great. This is like sort of cartoon rock and roll. This is just brilliant. Like Beach Boys um, on Speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, we, and we, we loved it. So, and he came in and he had, I uh, oh, he's going to hate me. So. <laughs> Go he, on. No, he had long hair. Because he was young, you know, and he had flared uh, trousers. He was always cool. He looked really cool. Uh, he had snake skin boots. So, you know, he was <laughs> not in 73. Yeah, right? yeah. The height of fashion yeah. then, yeah. With long hair, good, good, good jeans, good that, good Levi's and sexy boots. And... <laughs> yeah, so and we we I, and he, we we got a name. He's a bit, he was a bit, bit flash. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see that now. He still carries himself. He's a very cool guy. He takes pride in his appearance. But we, we became really good friends. I mean, we become really, really good friends. And then uh, anyway, so I was in this band, and then we need the hit and run the soul band. We needed a roadie. He's, he was a shit bloke. He was a, good, <laughs> a great bloke to have around because yeah, he was yeah, funny, yeah. you know. So he used to go. Well, we had gigs were like some of the pubs. And we did a lot of air bases, American airmen and stuff like that. And uh, In the States? No, in England. In England. There were a lot of air bases then. Yeah. You know, you know still RAF, and they'd have American thing. And essentially American, there'd be dollars at the bar and American-style drinks. You know, the whole, you tip the waiters. The whole, it yeah, yeah, yeah. was like America, you know. And the food was American and stuff, you know. And that was cool. Um, and then eventually, and then anyway, that that kind of fizzled out. And then Paul Fox, the original guitarist, was yep. in that band. So uh, we, we we were into this punk, you know, this thing. And I said, look, I played him. He was he was a mate too, you know, a good, very good friend, Paul Fox. So. And I played him. He really liked he liked the energy. Uh, and um, was the Ramones the band then that? But it was the, it was the main, band. and then of course then the pistols come, the dam came yeah. along, and you know, yeah, uh, and yeah, and then he he knew Malcolm. I didn't know Malcolm. This I'd heard of him because they were like a lot of Western. They went to Wales to get their heads together in the country, which yeah. was the thing you did there. Yeah, yeah. And what did that involve? Uh, <laughs> a lot of lot of dope smoking. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like they all moved away. Uh, they had a band. They were big fish in a small pond, you know. Uh, Malcolm wasn't really in a baby. He played, played a bit of tambourine. 
was um, see, they're all strict vegetarians. I mean, really quite, but quite, quite clued up, you know, quite politically clued up as well. Anyway, so I got to be with Foxy, and then he he wrote a couple of things in like prototype punk, you know, yep. punk by numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Mel, and I said, yeah, I said, well, why don't we do something? Yeah, all right. So I said, well, let's get. I said, I'll play the bass because he's. Punk. I, was, I was the drummer. I was already a drummer. So I said, I'll play the bass. I played the bass. Um, I remember putting stickers on it, you know, just so I knew where the things mm-hmm. were. And I brought, funny enough, I brought uh, Phil Linnets. Wow, really? Bass, yeah, Phil Linnets. Because Malcolm, so was he a pal? Uh, huh? Was he a friend of yours? He was more a pal of Malcolm's. Right. Because Malcolm used to uh, supply certain bits and pieces to the Rock Connor Centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, Phil was in a bit of that. So mm-hmm. he lent me this space. So I had a Ricky. He had a few bass. He had one that strap with a mirror, and he had a Ricky with a mirror. And I had the, the Ricky with a mirror. And um, she'll be a Gibson in this place. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so we did that. And, we did, and I said, well, let's get Segs on the base. And um, no, 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 we didn't know. We had the, the, the main singer from, the main writer from Hit and Run played drums a bit. So he was the drummer, but he was getting jipped from the soul band. What, for playing with punks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the soul band, they were really get. There was a huge separation then. They did, if you didn't like it, it was like, you know, you just read the media. The media was, was hateful, a bit like it is now, like it always is. Yeah. So they would sort of read it and sort of believe it. So we did, and the first gig we ever did was in a hit and run. There was a pub called the, you know, the A40? You know where the, the A40 goes out west, the road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a McDonald's on that red roundabout. There. Okay. The hit and run of the gig there. And in between their sets, the Ruts did four tunes with me on bass and Malcolm. And, and the, Went down the storm. Punters, they really liked it, and of course, everyone back got up. Had it all. They got their backups, yeah. So we got anyway. The next rehearsal, Foxy and I went along, and um, there was another guitarist and drummer there. It's a, a Paul Matchock, our mates, and I was sweet, but the boys were bitchy, and I really want to carry the band. So I said, Well, that's fine, I'll go back on drums because I'm better than him anyway. And then I said, What are we going to do? And then we said, Well, let's get sex. We said, Well, does he play? I said, Well, he's got a guitar. I know he's won a couple of dance contests as a disco era, <laughs> and, and he's cool and he can move and he's, you know, why not? I mean, yeah. It's going to be good. So we had an audition and, uh, yeah. And I mean, that was how it all got started. That was how it all got started, yeah. That's amazing. Um, could we talk about Malcolm and, you know, your, yeah. your relationship with him? Sure. Um, he was obviously a very unique talent. And he, I, th- yeah. I think it was, you know, obviously crushing that, the band got stopped dead in its tracks mm. really right when it was just getting started in many ways. Yeah, but very much so. I mean, the, the, the ruts really was, you know, I've been in, I played with lots of different bands and, you know, I was a side man and stuff and we'll probably talk about them in a bit, but uh, that was, that was, it was an amazing band. It was, it was, it was four individuals that, you know, again, it's a cliche, but totally greater than the sum of its parts, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, but everyone was good. I mean, in that band, uh, and everyone was better for being in that band. Uh, so it was great. Um, you know, very, and it was very. Um, we all got fired up by the idea of punk rock, especially Malcolm. And he became, you know, he, he'd never sung in a band before at all. He'd never ever done it. Played a little bit of, you know, campfire guitar sort mm-hmm. of thing, but not really. You know. Um, you know, and he was he was great. I mean, he was good. He had, he had great, great eclectic. He was a bit of a DJ, you know. Because before we went fully punk, there was that before you were born, but there was a time, there was a time, we were all used to puff a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because it's coming off the back of the whole hippie 60s. Exactly, yeah. But of course, and then so the old people were down. If you, if you walked over long, he was like, he's like fish in a barrel. They yeah. just pick him up. There Target was, on your back. Little, there was a little period for a couple of years where, you know, when the boy, they, you know, the, I don't think anyone's in the fact, no one's clearing them up, but if you had to, sort of short hair, so it was a thing where you'd wear like a white shirt, nice short haircut, you know, clean, not modish, but, you know, clean, and uh, and you just look like an ordinary bloke. And so, and they were, everyone who was doing everything yeah. for a while looked like that. So yeah. it was chaos, and everything <laughs> that was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying all that thing's good, a good thing, but that's, that's, but that's what Matt was about, you know. Uh, anyway, so we, we we got together, we had these songs, and straight away we had a, we had a sound from the off, you know. 
we had the sound. The first recordings we did were kind of, we sent them off. I mean, nobody really wanted to know. Um, the, and then, but as when, after Segs joined, the first one started about a month. And after Segs joined, he lived, he came, because his, his dad was basically ill with cancer. So he came to stay in my flat in South London. The other two lived in West London. So there was West London contingent of Foxy and Malcolm. And there's a South London contingent of mine. We, we got a, we had, we got a squat, you know, we, we didn't live in it, but we had a room in the squat where we could rehearse. So the boys used to come over and rehearse. But Sigs and I used to go every day and we'd just be checking out, you know, whatever, whatever we're into that time. Nick Lowe or Devo or be playing yeah, yeah. funny beats. And, what, and just developing a musical language together? Yeah, and just, yeah, just learning, oh, look, we could do this. And, yeah. You know, in our own kind of twisted way. Which really, you know... If you're listening, kids, it's the way to do it. Yeah. Of course, then, you know, you could you could go, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll quit my job and I went on the dole. You could do that then. Get on the dole and you could learn your craft, if you will. And then I've never been on the dole since, you know what I mean? I've got to pay my taxes like everybody else. But, um, no, so it was good. So, and then Malcolm, and we had these songs. Um, I mean, it was very creative. Me, so me and Sex had come up with loads of the ideas. And then we had this great thing where he, he's playing with Foxy, who was... He was really the boss musician when we started, right? for sure. I mean, you know, a great I, guitarist as well, right? Guitar. I mean, great, a great arranger, and, and should have been. You know, I mean, should have been a great producer. You know, he did been, some stuff later on with um, the Stones guys, didn't he? With Keith and yeah, he did. Ronnie Wood. Uh, the Dirty Strangers, yeah, yeah, he did. But yeah, he did. But he's, he's a good time guy. He always like he always went for a good time over knuckling down and doing stuff. You know. I, it's a, it's, it's a, I don't know, a working class trait, I don't know. But he was brilliant. But me and Sex would have this stuff. I was, what do you think of this? And he'd come in and do something completely left field. I mean, completely out of the out of the blue. I mean, completely differently. So that was great. And then Malcolm would come up with lyrics and we'd all, we'd all chip in with lyrics a bit and we'd sometimes find it hard to write, getting said, look, you've got to write a third verse, you know, don't, don't repeat the thing all the time. But he, but he became a, a fantastic front man. And all the time, then them days, I mean, Misty and Roots took us under their wing. They gave us a lot of shows with them. Who were they, sorry? Misty and Roots. They were a, a Roots rock reggae band. Right. West London, Southall. And uh, Southall and Hayes are kind of... Yes. And uh, we knew uh, Chris Bolton was their manager. So they, they, they liked us and gave us a lot of gigs. And we did a lot of benefits for minors and... Was the politics always at the forefront of what you guys did? Well, it wasn't so much the... It wasn't the politics that we were wanted. We weren't members of any political party. But we did have a lot of black mates who were giving us gigs and it just and they were getting shit. So it's like, well, Stand up for your mates, yeah. So we got a, You know, it's just, just, just what you do as a human being, really. It wasn't like... It, of course, the Rock Against... I'm very proud we did the Rock Against Wrestling gigs. Um, you know, there were times when, when we said, oh, I'm a bit fed up playing behind in front of a banner. Because it's you know we're a band, first. yeah. It, it feels a bit tokenistic. But I don't regret ever, ever. In fact, the last big tour was the uh, militant entertainment tours. All there was a big rhino at the back. And a big no, rhino. It, it was the logo. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for it. Uh, and it looked great. Uh, but there was no message. The message was, well, you know, by the end of it, we're doing with like selector and specials and. And, and and the Gang of Four and Mystery Roots and every and everyone's playing and so there was nobody getting up and doing speech because I don't really want to really, I don't I don't let the music do the talking. Let the music do the talking. And, and we thought we really I mean I'm sure you talk sense about it later, but we really thought that we'd we we we'd made a difference. We thought oh, that's probably it now it'll go away because there's a lot of violence at gigs. I mean it's completely different now. Everyone likes a bit of everything. There was still a lot of bonehead's around out there, but uh, it's a very different thing. But so Malcolm there, so but it was very short, you know. The period of with Malcolm was only three years from, you know, it was over very fast, very intense three years, you know. Um, and we were getting big gigs, big promotion. We never did. I mean, the Ruts never went to America. Ruts DC went to America. We did some European gigs. We did a gig of what was Yugoslavia. Do a tour of you know, three or four days. Yugoslav, which was amazing, you know, in the because um, I didn't know the difference between Croatia and Zagreb because it was all Yugoslavia then. But uh, so we did this, and it, and it burnt very brightly and burnt out very brightly. But I mean, and towards you know, he had had 
dealings with um, opiates before, you see, so. Did that come in early on? Did you know it early, It came in after the initial flush of success, you know. There were various people hanging about with a band and stuff, and it was rife, and it was, you know. What do you think it was about Malcolm that, you know, attracted him to that? Was it because of his way of coping with the the pressure or the fame, or was it just because he liked getting loose? Well, and... <laughs> we, all, we, all, we, we, we were all what you might call caners, in a yeah. sense, you know. Um, different. I mean, the thing is, I, I was very lucky, because in West London, it was a very much, for me, it always seemed a bit darker. So I'd scuttle over to South London. Most of my friends, you know, yeah, you know, that's puffy, it's it's, it's puffy, not puffy. as heavy as yeah. you say as dark and, and psychedelics. I've always yeah. psychedelics. I still do uppers and yeah, sideways. Yeah, sideways <laughs> and reality benders. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. My thing, but not not commentators. You know, I've never I've never liked with a lot of skunk or ketamine or smack or anything like that. But I'm obviously we we missed around. I was very fortunate in that sex when I there were times we we had success and we would go away. To, Oh, we can write some new songs. Yeah, let's book a farmhouse, you know, and just, and we, you know, imagine you don't get a lot of work. But, <laughs> uh, but, but, but Sigs put me right. I mean, just, just by his ego, so, oh, you look, you know, if I was doing anything a bit untoward, it's because I was a little bit older than him. It makes a big difference when we mentioned earlier when you're younger. Yeah. So for him, so we're looking good there, chucking up outside that car. It was like, so I, so I just stopped all that. So he kept you straight? Well, well, it helped. Yeah, it helped him. Yeah, he did. And because I was kind of looking after him in the back until we went him deep with his dad dying. Yeah. And suddenly he's giving me advice. And he, that was years ago. He's, he's still my best mate. So were you two always yeah, super Yeah, close? we've always been, yeah, really close. So, yeah. So, so Malcolm, well, so Malcolm's just started doing it. We'd, we'd do gigs in Europe and he'd be, he'd be hiding drugs in his, I mean, you wouldn't get over it now, but in his shoe. And so yeah, yeah. I about the heel, like, uh-huh. Some kind of sixties spy film, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Howard you know, Marks. You get him, you have to wiggle him out of the loop. What are you doing? Oh, I've got a bit of trouble with my laces, and he's just got got very all the fun and joy. It's just suddenly got really, really dark. And of course, did three, it change the shows? Did it damage or have like? Well, a no, we still did the shows. professional shows. I mean, his voice was getting fucked. Was know? it? He, he was getting nodules on his voice, and, uh, and and the thing is, he were he was you know he was he was lying. To of course the, the well that's the kind of drug addict behaviour isn't it exactly yeah. so and you know, you know when you're four guys really close it's just like it's obvious it's, and it's it's really heartbreaking and of course we were a roll we, we were a great band yeah and we're really and I've for me it's my way out of the ghetto you know what I mean of course <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to give it up I, I don't want to I mean so we said well we're going to we're going to carry on so we we did stuff and like, we didn't have with Kevin Coyne we did an album with uh, Valerie Lagrange, French singer. And we we did various. We did with um, Laurel Aitken. Yeah, yeah, singer. yeah. We did we did stuff. How was that uh, for you? That was great. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was good fun. I mean, and Laurel he's passed away now, but really good, very good experience. Um, and then after, and then Mountain interfered very very quickly, and then it got to the point where we said, right, we're splitting, and we were writing songs. We wrote. Most of Animal Now, the first Ruts DC album, we wrote written while Malcolm was still with it. And we loved it. It was nothing we could do. He wouldn't. He was just, it was nothing he could do. He was a hopeless job. Did he leave the band for a brief period? Or did you kick him out for well, a Well, he said, he, 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 he was a confused time. It was like, yeah, we, we, we said, we're going to go on our own. He said, well, I'm leaving. But then what, because he was in a terrible mess. His wife had left him. He was, he was only, you know, his curtains were drawn all the time. You know what I mean? It was how old? How old is he at this point? He's twenty-five, isn't he? Wow. He said twenty-seven when they died. He? he was a year younger, so he's twenty-six. I think he would have died. But um, of course, he'll always remain twenty-six. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. Um, but but foolish man in a way. So we decided we were going to carry on, and then just before we said, "Well, you've got to do it because we've got to be kind of you've got to when you say well." Can't wait, you know. It's, I'll wear the band, you know. We, we just wait for the singer. Come mm-hmm. on, fuck you, you know. We, yeah, we were kind of not having it, um, hoping maybe that that would hoping that would instigate exactly. Some commitment so, and... so we're writing songs anyway because we've got to have songs. Yeah, if we're going to carry on, and then we met up uh, with him, and he said he was going to go to Rio for a couple of weeks, and uh, we said, "Well, great, absolutely brilliant." 
so we 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 booked a session. We're going to go in, but you know, let's 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 let's. And we saw him when he came out. I oh, see. So did of, go of, in to rehab. He went into rehab. Yeah. We saw him before he went in, and then he came out on the Friday. And we booked. The Virgin got a barge in uh, West London and on the canal there. You know, near the big world. What do you call that area? I think of it, you know, in the West London, Dan Edgware Road, Major Vale. Yeah. There's the canal there. Dan, Richard Brown's had a barge for the little studio. So we booked that to do some demos. And we, so Mel had been at the rehab and he was, and he hadn't, he was very, very shaky in a bit. He said, oh no, I just wondered, guys, because we, we loved him. He, he was, he was not giving us junky rhetoric at that point. He was like, no, I wonder if you maybe, you know, I'd be really happy to sing on your single if you want to. And, Maybe you play on my single. He's like, yeah, of course we will, because you know we're brothers, you know. Brilliant. Um, but being so we said, yeah, well we're we're, we're going to go in and demo these songs anyway, you know. So because yeah, we got them, and then we'll we'll see you next week, you know, when we come out, and it'd be great. But we have a really good thing. We we weren't going to say, oh, let's not not bother now and see. But he looked like it was all going to be cool. I was afraid. So we went in the studio and stayed the whole weekend. Came out on Monday morning, uh, went to my house in South London uh, with, a, with a few of us. It was Mano, Modi, and Arnie Plus, one of the poets, one of the punk guys we used to get. We got to my house, and the, the, the three of us had a meeting, Foxy and Segs and me, had a meeting with Virgin at two in the afternoon, you know. So we'd all got back, you know, probably got back four in the morning, had a couple of hours, kit here and there. Probably got up around 10, 11, the idea of a bit of breakfast and over to West London to eat Virgin, you know, playing the, the, with the, playing the, the results of the uh, session, you know. And then just before we were about to leave, we got a phone call from uh, a chap who did kind of reintroduced him to the stuff, you know, Mick Morgan, his name was, he's dead as well since. Never liked him. Anyway, he's, he'd arranged to meet Malcolm. But this one, Malcolm, at this time was living at his mum and dad's house, uh, and trying his best to stay on the straight and narrow. Or yeah, we thought so. It was only two days after, you know. Yeah. Friday. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. So anyway, he'd arranged to meet Mick Morgan for a beer at lunchtime. You know, sort of twelve-ish, go for a beer, game of bowls. Mick had gone to see him, couldn't get, him, and he's his mum and dad said he was having a bath, couldn't get. Him response from the door and he know, and Mick noticed that his dad was looking worried and walking man what's up he said well I can't get any answer from the door and Matt had gone out and scored some, he hadn't had any for a few weeks he scored some particularly strong stuff and he, and he was in the bath he did know he very dangerous doing drugs in the bath you know because your body temperature is soaring and it's differently different and it affects you much more so he basically was, he banged up some smack and he passed out and drowned so that's put a window against one, saw him under the water, and that was it. So, so we get this call just as we're leaving. So he's there, like, we was four very close people. It was like a family thing. Yeah, we was there, wow, we're in a band with all our mates and we're fucking, we're having hit records and it's just, and we're writing our own song and we're saying what we want with no formula, there's no song. It's just us, you know, it was dream come true, you know. So it was like, so dealing with that was really weird because... We're like in shock, you know. So what, what do you say? You go to the bed, you say, well, do you want the good news or the bad news? Because we were the first people to it. So it's, you're almost hysterically laughing. You're almost, because it's just, what, what the hell, you know. So, uh, yeah, so so we played them, the, we told them the thing and played them the demos, but of course, it wasn't really, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really uh, very conducive to doing anything. But we did anyway. Anyway, that was that story. It's a shit story, but uh, it's, a, it's an important story. It's yeah, a yeah. sad story. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you feel like you didn't have the time or take the time to grieve properly? by just moving on with Ruts DC straight away. The dynamic was so different. I mean, I love Paul Fogg, but it weren't the same. You know, it was, we were arguing, we were, we were fine. We were on tour with we were a couple of times, played great shows. I mean, sexy took the band. We suffered a bit though, because we were always gonna carry on, but the virginity, you've got to keep the name and so forth, otherwise we're gonna drop you. So I didn't want to go, so we, it was at Ruts DC at the time was a compromise. DC being to Carpo, back to the beginning. Yeah. But, you know, that, that, that of course, we were gonna, always going to carry on in some form, but then, and we would have done it, and then, but of course, the reviewers are particularly cruel. Of course. Saying, oh, Not taking know, into account the fact you've lost your friend. Yeah, so, oh, since you've got all the stage prisoners for dead cat. This, this was not uh, Gary Bushel. It was, yeah. it was like a mate, you know, at the time, before we joined the other side as a career move. So that's another story. I've talked to him about it since. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, we're friends again. <laughs> you made good. Yeah, but um, so and that when it was really hard. So sex had never tried to replace. We never tried to replace anybody. We just wanted to carry on doing stuff. But we still did great shows. But after and we did um, we did the Animal Now album. We did um, a dub album, and then we just not called it a day. And then I think, and even after that, sex moved to Paris, learned the language, got a couple of record deals, lived there, got things. Paul Fox did came in a bit, produced a couple of things. And I just became, a, a, you know, a tour slot. I joined, I joined as the camera and I joined... The guy, I, yeah, as I we were saying. No, that, I yeah. be, and it was for years. I didn't really stop. I, I, I did four years of Aztec camera and then I joined uh, World Party and I joined the Water Boys and I joined... Uh, I mean, just loads, just loads and loads of stuff, loads of sessions. I was really busy. I was, I was rabbing it, you know, in the 80s. I mean, it was really... I was, and I learned so much, yeah, with in the ruts and the drumming was good. Uh, and I was very aware of songwriting. So and I, I worked with some fantastic. I mean, Mike Scott. I mean, what a fucking great songwriter! Without Walton, brilliant. And after him, I worked with um, Carl um, Carl Bollinger from World Party, where I got to know his manager was Steve Farnell. He used to manage Prince uh, right up to Love Sexy, I think, for the Purple Rain thing. And uh, and then he and I met Sinead while I was with Water Boys and that because they were on they were all on Ensign the record label yeah 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 I got really well with Sinead uh, and then after I'd done well and then I got a call to do Sinead you know and they sent me they, they said, I do not want what I haven't got the, the huge album uh-huh. I said oh it's a bit angsty <laughs> at the time I, you know actually now she's happening a little bit yeah I'm yeah like, oh I don't know if I want to go and do a load of moody songs. But Steve Farnoli, her manager, was 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 brilliant. He he, uh, I remember I remember it was before mobiles, and you get the phone up, but you could have a phone without a lead, you know, in your house. And it was like, yeah, I give you twenty reasons why you should do that tour, you know. But he was a very cool guy. He really looked after musicians. He was never like my act, your scum, you know, none of that. He was really great, very cool guy. And he gave me twenty reasons why I should do it. Did he get the whole way through the list? Did he? <laughs> you were like, yeah, going, no, he going, was but... right. No, he was right because he's a, he was a very he managed Sly Stone for a while. He managed Little Feet. He was a legend. Man. Yeah, his mum used to was was a cook for the Kennedys, John Kennedy. Really? So he grew up just around royalty, around, and around yeah, around. And... and he was a cool guy, one of the coolest people I've ever met, and a real genuine person. So I did Sinead. For, I, was, I was MDing it. You know, I was coordinating between the band and the crew. It was massive too. 
he's number one album all over the world. It was just like... Did you get to go all over the yeah, world yeah, with yeah. the project? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, we were doing it. We did the whole thing when she tore the picture of the Pope up. Yeah. She, you know, and she wouldn't have to... Have to you know, all that whole thing. I want... I, I, and in, in my travels, I mean, I have worked with some... Apps. I mean, she is a consummate artist. I mean, she's troubled and she has mental problems. But when she's on fire, I mean, there is, there is, you can't touch her. She's, it's like you're plugged into the mains. You know, you're plugged into the, whatever it's it is. It's pure creativity. pure thing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, I worked with her, which is good. And then I, my, my youngest daughter was born, so I took three years off. I had a load of money, you know. To, yeah, yeah, because you've been grafted. a load of money, which is very rare for musicians. Like. I guess when you're on tour all the time, you save a lot as well, right? Because all your expenses are kind of covered. Yeah, especially with, you know, a, yeah. with a huge artist like Sinead. I kind did, of. And, and my wife is pregnant, and I think that my, my daughter was born. I think a week after the last gig, and everything was great. So Perfect was timing. Yeah, and then I got to work with with um, with I'm Pete, I'm Pete Townsend. I worked with him. He's called me up to do stuff. And Roger taught me separately, but then um, Kirsty were cool. We Amazing to do it to do a thing and to yeah. be a drummer, and I got on really well with her. She was a real mate, you know. Uh, and my, and my wife, my wife's a bit of a tomboy. She doesn't have a lot of girl friends, and she was good friends with her. Uh, and then I was with her for a while, and then she said to me, "She say, have you got any tunes? I mean, this doesn't happen as a side man. I can tell you, audience." <laughs> and then she said, "Well, look, I want you to co-produce me album." So we did. We did um, Titanic Days, which was really good album but it was her kind of divorce album from Steve Lilly White she was divorced and she, she took them a few years off to raise her kids but you know anyway so, so it was a bad time for her the cover is at the back of her head you know it's, that's what is that to me <laughs> but a great record um, it was on ZTT I believe and then it went a bit quiet and then she said look I want you I've got this she loved, always loved Cuba music and uh, she asked me and Pete Lennister the guitarist to co-write with her and produce the album. So the three of us sort of locked ourselves in a studio and it was neat, a lot of programming at the beach, programming samples and this and that, and making bits of music. And we made a, a Latin record by, by way of South London called Tropical Brainstorm, which is really well received. And great, and, and then we put a band together afterwards. We did like a nine piece band with brass, percussion. Wow. It was brilliant. No keyboards, you know, just brass, percussion and guitars and brass. Uh, and and Kirsty met a love of her life there, James, and and was um, it was a great time, I'm, you know. And she she was getting over her um, stage fright, and then of course she she died, you know, suddenly after the album came out. It was going, we're getting ready for the next one, and it was great, you know. I was in a band, producing it and co-writing it. It was just like oh, fabulous, you know. But, uh, I felt I was going to feel a bit like a Jonah or something, a bit of a jig. Oh, Jesus Christ, not another one. But, uh, yeah. Tell me about the, the reformation. And was right. it, the, was it the, the benefit show that sort of got those old feelings and memories and muscles and, well, the and relationships? Show, yeah, and 2007, um, Paul Fox, who, who was always, you know, as I say, the dynamic, so we didn't play it ever again. I did, we did that was it, was it when you split in 83? Was it you split? 82. 82. Was that then, that was it? That was it. We met a couple of times, you know. He would, we did a couple of, but he, he was often, you know. Off of, doing his thing. Out of it, drunk or whatever. But you, you and Segs remained in touch and in contact during yeah, that time, well, we're, or we're, did we're, you have a period of... Segs and I have never, we don't seem to have addictive genes, so we still, we still enjoy a pint. You know, I'd have met him for a pint before the interview. We I don't love have this thing. You know, there's a lot of these, oh, God, don't let me near the drink. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we do, and we, you know. You've got self-control. Yeah. So we had this thing. We got asked if we could do this thing because Paul Fox had cancer. You know, he, he was, and he, he was going out with a thing called Fox's Ruts, which I wasn't that pleased about, but I wouldn't be grudged by me. But not something I wanted to do. But I was really proud of our heritage. I thought it was a bit cheap, though. The one that was going there, it was a, it was a Malcolm lookalike, and I thought, mm, I kind of get it, but it's like it's a tribute like a weird band. tribute band, yeah, it's like a tribute band, <laughs> yeah. Mm, but know. one of the guys from the real band's in it, yeah. uh, and there was Foxy's son was playing the drums. So I went, oh, lovely guy, like Laurie, the really nice guy, good drummer too. He was in it. Foxy was in it, so they're only playing no much DC, just the first, thing. and for me, 
I wouldn't want to just do that. I would never, not interested. I'm very proud of the heritage. I'm happy to play the old songs and do them justice, but you have to be doing something now because he, and we've done that now. And we, we've done, we've done the last album we did well. We start with the, the last album. We finished. It's a great like album. It. It's so really now we've good. done a great album. I'm happy. I mean, it's good. So we're doing the 40 years of the crack next year, as you know. Nice. But uh, sorry, I digress. So no worries. So, so that's anyway. why the podcast. You can digress all you want, mate. Okay. Yeah. So bring uh, you up a tiny bit. So we we got we got asked to do um, a, a, a benefit gig. And Fox said, well, "What would you want me to do?" I said, "Well, I'll do it because I've been in MD. I know all about putting this together." I said, I'll do it. I said, not because I'm a controller. I said, I'll do it, but only if I can run it. You know? so I, don't it want loads right. of, I don't want loads of fuckwits turning up. And all <laughs> yeah, that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, got to be yeah. a proper thing. You know, got a proper thing. That's going to add something positive to the legacy of the band. To the legacy. And I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to get to retain their integrity. I wanted to get the integrity back. I felt a lot of it had been lost. All these bootlegs coming, just shit. And the actual integrity of the band, nobody really remembers it was so long ago. Anyway, there was talk about uh, Henry, so we, we wrote to Henry, and Henry, oh, well, 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 you know, I've seen a few This is Henry Rollins Henry for Rollins. anyone who doesn't know. Henry Rollins. <laughs> um, someone suggested him, and we wrote to him, and he came back, well, is it going to be some pathetic kind of old guy thing? I said, well, no. I said, of course it isn't that was his response it. wasn't you know, it you <laughs> know we talked to him about what we could be we said we can't make it long because Foxy's he hasn't got a lot of energy he's, he's very bad he's terminal he's, he hasn't got long to live so we've got to make it about 20-25 maybe 30 minutes so we talked about the set and then sex and I, we haven't played I haven't played any punk it's not, it's not all punk rock there much anyone who knows it. some slow stuff but there is the fast stuff is pretty deluxe and it's got to be right so Sigs and I, whenever I had a studio at the time in South London, in Norwood. So I said, well, let's come in and run through some of the tunes. Like, so it was like the old days, you know, being there, squat, me and him, getting into that kind of mode, you know, not trying to be young, but trying to give the songs the justice and get the, you know, you've got to do the songs right, you know, yeah. always. And um, so we did, and then we booked a couple of rehearsals. Uh, we had a guy called Lee Harris, who's currently out with um, the drummer out of Pink Floyd with Source Full of Secrets. They're doing that. doing early Pink Floyd. Sid Barrett. The Sid Barrett era. Yeah, he's good. So he was one of the rehearsals. It was okay. And then secondly, we had Lee Hegarty, who's actually our current guitarist. He came along and he was he's a very shy guy. He's playing a bit quiet. But he was good. He knew all the stuff. He played with Foxy. He knew Foxy. In fact, he got a couple of Foxy's guitars. He's seen Foxy's song with his guitars, and he's recognised the neck of that. He's bought, he owns his Stratocars, for instance, these strange little things like that. Anyway, he came along with the second rehearsal, and uh, and Henry's there, and Henry, you know, Henry's come along with both of them. Henry's what kind like, of energy does he bring into the room? Well, he's, he, well he doesn't do... <laughs> Whereas me, I, I said, well, we're some quiet... And when we're on stage, you give it the beans, you know? Yeah. But you've got to make sure things are... Right. But he... He, he, he's not a natural rock and roll. He, for him, it's got to be really intense. Amped up. For him to do a song at all, he'd do like 40 press-ups on one fist just to get in the zone. You know, I mean, really. He's you know. And he was great. He was great. I mean, he, you know, he went through it, and, but really, really polite. A bit scary, but really polite, really nice. And he said, well, he wanted it really, not a lot. In fact, he talks about it in some of his shows, just some, YouTube shit about him talking about the ruts. But he loves it, he really likes it. So so we had the two days rehearsal, two afternoons rehearsal. And at the end of the second day, Foxy came along. He couldn't do a lot, he's still spiffing, rolling his lips and drinking and <coughs> He's and, going uh, down with know, the ship. Look, looking looking that. But he did so we could only rehearse for that, but, but it was great. As soon as he came in, it was like, oh, you know, it was like oh fuck. So we did the show and it was it was I think it was about twenty five minutes long. But by then it was selling pretty well. Henry doing it, and then we had uh, John Otway. Amazing, I love we him. Had, yeah. uh, Tom Robinson introduced it. Yeah. Tim Smith. Yeah. Uh, uh, we had the, uh, the Charlie Alp, the UK subs played. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna it was one of the guys from the Damned involved. The whole of the Damned. The whole of the Damned. The whole of the Damned were on tour. They came from Scotland, and they did the set. 
I mean, which was brilliant. I mean, because we're old muckers, you know. Yeah. And it's in route, so we, we kind of early, we, we played a lot. And the whole night, I mean, we could have done it in a much, we did it in the O2 and Islington, but it could have been a much bigger gig, but nobody knew, you know. It was Sarah Pink put it together, a girl called Sarah Pink, to give her a tune. Uh, and it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was an amazing night. I mean, I was, I was having drinks last night with a girl, a, a violin player who played with Soul to Soul last night. And she was really, she's one of the best girls I've ever been. She's up there with Floyd and all these massive gigs. But, but the energy in the room was, was quite remarkable. A lot of love for Foxy. It was just, it was amazing. It was, am, it was from the off. And I remember, I was talking to Sigs about it at Rebellion this last weekend. When, when we started playing, it was just, we were like, this is, you know, because there's certain things, you know, you've just got bands, they've all been in lots of bands, but there's certain things, you just... Just it, clicks, right? Thing, it feels You know good. what I mean? It's got a thing. And yeah. It goes, oh, wow, you know. And, and, and anyway, so we did the gig, it was a triumph, you know, it was really good. Uh, I was really nervous. I didn't go out and talk to anyone before. I was just on my own, pacing up and down before. I was, it was so much on it, you know, it was mine. Uh, there was a lot of people like in Foxy's band wanted to play. I remember... I said, oh, I am. I was singing once. I said, look, I said, with all due respect, I'm not doing opportunity knocks. It's not the expert. I mean, no, I'm not having anyone <laughs> yeah, yeah. who ain't known, known because they can do something else, you know. So, because I'll do it for you because I love you, mate. You know what I mean? I don't want. I Did want you know that was going to be the last time you played with them as well? Oh, yeah, going into we, it, yeah. Yeah. He, he so it's one last ride type there. thing. Yeah. And it, was, and it was great, but it was like. Forget, forget all that over the years. I mean, the John Jones and the Foxes, right? and the Ums and Dad, because I've, I've always loved the guy a lot. And, and he really was loved. And we, we, we did all the closure. I've got to be careful because I've been well up if I'm not careful. But we did all the closure and we, and we left on a, we, all the integrity was back. It was an absolute stonky gig. So I thought, job done, you know, integrity back. Fucking absolutely brilliant. And then, meanwhile, we, we, we'd, we'd done a couple of dub albums. But someone was, uh, the guy called Nikolai Beverungen, who runs uh, Echo Beach Records in Germany. He's always, he kind of flew the, the Rutz flag, putting out various little bits of it, over the years when we weren't doing anything. And he, he said, no, I want to redo Rhythm Collision 1. I said, well, it was kind of a jam anyway. What are you going to remix? It's a, so he said, well, it'd be really good. I said, well, okay. So he, got, he gave us a bit of a budget. I got one of our engineers we worked with a lot over the years. His name's Steve Dubb. He does all the Chemical Brothers and stuff. Because Sex is on loads of the chemical brothers as a face. Is he? Stuff, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, he's, he's quite a, he's a cool dude, old Sex. And, and Steve Dubb, he's like, you know, he's, he's, he, he does like everything. You know, he's, 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 he's a difficult artist of an engineer. But he's brilliant. He's brilliant. So we're with him. And he said, we're doing these mixes and stuff. And he said, why don't we get them, make the remix money and go and work with Mad Professor and do some more tunes, you know? And... As usual, we, we weren't earning any money, but let's get all that money and spend it on another project. So we said, all right. And so we rang, <laughs> rang Neil Fraser, the mad professor, as he's known. And um, we went in a couple of days later and we just, we jammed. I went in with Seamus Behan, who's he's been with Iggy Pop for the last few years. He's setting guitar and keyboard with Iggy Pop. Uh, so me and Seamus, Dubby, Steve Dubb, the engineer, and said to me, went in to Mad Professor Studio. And he'd had Sly and Robbie in the week before, and Sly had tuned the kit, like reggae style, you know, dead toms. So we just went in, and the great thing about Neil Fit, you just go in and you plug in and play, and it's rocking, you know what I mean? There's none of this, okay, oh, get the sound, and you know. Yeah, yeah, back. spend you hours. Just, you just go, Neep. and it's to tape, you know, two inch tape. So we've got a couple of rules. So let's just, so we jammed it. So we had a couple of, so what we did, we just went, like, when we did Wrinkles and One, we had a few. We had a little playlist of things we like in the style of this is good, this fella is good, or this sort of touchstones of inspiration. Yeah, little thing bits yeah. like something that's great and that's good. So we had a little playlist and we just, and we just went off and W had played something and we just and we played and rolled, rolled the tape and anyway we were there for a couple of days and we came out with with fourteen jams and Neil Fraser, Mad Fraser mixed them. We all I remember playing them in the car. They were minimal, yeah, but, but they had it, you know. And I was like, and that became. Eventually, anyway, so I was in the car, being not really excited. Said, "Fuck it, we've got, we've got, it's got something." It's just, it was so exciting. It was so exciting after so, all those years. Like after all those years, and it took a while. Uh, eventually, we went with Prince Fatty, who actually mixed it in the end. And Prince <laughs> Fatty was great because he's 
not finished. And we've got to say, we all heard all good things about him. Because he'd done uh, uh, a bloke from Madness, uh, Scar Orchestra, Lee. Lee, Scar, Scar I think, wait a minute. I can't think it was Lee from Madness, anyway. Right, right. Scar Orchestra, he'd been in there with Seamus to, 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 to uh, Vince Fatty's studio. And anyway, we went, Sex and I went down there, and he was quite hard on us, and we not finished, and he'd do this, and he'd do that. So we went away, like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then we stopped for a part, and I said, you know what? He's absolutely right. She's young of them, and we're just you know, we're kind of we're so in love with the idea, and we're kind of attached to everything. He's right, let's do it. So, we did over a course of about a year. And when we had some money, a bit of time, we went in, let him do some stuff, went in with a guy called Wizard at Jam Studios in Brixton. And we eventually come did some co writes with different rappers and the, the Brixton, uh, Brixton generals, and yeah, yeah, rappers yeah. and stuff. We had Tanner Fly, who's passed away since, something like that. So, we did that. And then it was the Alabama Three who said, why don't you do some gigs? I went, oh, no. I said, oh, I don't know about that. So I said, well, I said, you don't have to do anything. You know. I always thought it could be viable, but I didn't quite know how. So, it was, so with Seamus, Lee, we've got Lee backing on the guitar because he knew a lot of the old stuff. And, we did, and then the first that we were going to do with different singers, which I just got the singers in. So we got, I'm not going to say who they were, but yeah, yeah. one of the singers. Name and shame. The first gig, yeah, no name, no Patrick. <laughs> the first gig was in Manchester and a singer from another band came in and we did back, wanted to do Babylon. And he came and he said, oh, you didn't play all the right chords and it wasn't the right tempo. And I thought, no, it was just, it wasn't up, I said to Six, wasn't up to it, mate. I said, we've got to control it. We can't possibly, do. we know what it's supposed to be so we've got to keep it in there. So, we knew that we had to, me and him had to really step up, try, step up, yeah. And try so eventually, that was a five pick. We had Moller with us as well from from Joy Train, but eventually we've honed it down to three, and eventually we made a rock and roll album, which was which is cool. so good. I listened to it again the other day, and I'm just, I mean, the first three songs in particular, boom, yeah. boom, boom, sounds as contemporary and visceral as anything around today in the rock world. Thank you. It's yeah, got that yeah. bite. Well, I think we did. We spent a lot of time, you know. It was it was crowdfunded, but we did. I mean, Sex and I did. We both sort of producers. We know how. To, we realise that sonically, it's got to be up there with everything that's out. If you're going to go back into the rock world, yeah, it's got to stand up against Babylon's just, burning and no, yeah. You can't just be called it and just mix yeah. it. Uh, I've got a great guy. I mean, so we did loads of back work, like sound replacement, bit fattening it up sonically, you know, yeah. making it. Right, and then I've got a guy called, um, I say a young guy, he's not so young now, <laughs> Lee Groves, who was then in Nashville, he's now in New York, he mixed it. So we, we've got a very close relationship with sending him works in progress, and he's just got this thing where it's suddenly deep and wide, and so we can do the last bits. So yeah, so here we are, we're going from strength to strength, and then we've got, we've got I mean, this, I was 66th birthday in March. Did you? Yeah. What, what, what date in March? 23rd. I'm the 11th. I love your Pisces. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, anyway, so the day after my birthday, yeah, we've been we've been fucking with various agents, man. We've been managing ourselves, and it's it's really hard because you can't because we're the band. We we have to be nice people. We, we yeah, you need someone. Oh, I always need more. The hardball, don't the you? Hard Do you have a booking ball. agent? Yeah, we're, we're on X-ray touring now. Oh, nice. We're on with, X-ray with Steve. Touring. Huh? With Steve Strange. No, with yeah. uh, no with uh, Rad. Rad. Yeah, yeah, Rad Sanders. Rad's brilliant. He's great. He's brilliant. Yeah, and, he, you know, I know Rad. You know. And we're managed. We've got a manager. Great, Sue, Sue Wilcox. Wow. Because I was just about the pressure, all the admin, you know, and trying to be creative. That, that's to be the thing, the isn't it? Is having those two brains in operation: the business and the creative. And it was just, I was, just, you know what? This is really getting, getting to me. Yeah. So it's brilliant. So what we've said, we, we, we've said we're not taking any gigs on. I've been going to give them a good try. So we, they said, 40 years of crap next year. And now we're in a position to do it. We've never done it before, but now we know. All we the are. pieces are in place, not just in terms yeah. of behind the scenes and the organisational point, but having done that incredible rock album and, you know, been touring for a while. And I think it's it could not be better timed, right? No, Everything is just there and absolutely ready to go. Uh, and it's great. To, what it is, basically, <laughs> we've got a manager and a mate who are best friends. And as my said, look, he said, the thing is, we 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 think your value is much better than that you think your value is, you know. So I'll go. Well, that's who you want working for you, right? 
budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.